The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 138, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL, that's K-I-S-T. Joining me, as always, the best doggone co-host in the game, nine years without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, Orlando 6-9-Drick had some stuff to say. Not delicious. Not delicious. Orlando Scandrick wins your distasteful for the week. <laughs> it was popping off. What? Got real <laughs> reckless with his words and out of pocket. And we covered right. this, well, BGN covered this with the Jimmy Kemsky and Brandon Lee Gowden May, May He Forever Rain reaction show, which an Orlando Scandrick emergency pod wasn't something that I envisioned for this feed at all this year at any point. But Right. This is why, like, you know, like the the reason that this is so funny to me is because Orlando Scandrick, who was brought on because he had strong critiques of the Eagles defense and, and, and the Eagles front office and how he was processed and, and managed his career in Philadelphia. He is just, he is, he is bridled uh, the, the news cycle and he's riding it for all it's worth. He has increased dramatically the national scrutiny on Philadelphia, even when it was at a pretty high point. And yet I just learned what he looks like today. That's what's hilarious to me is like, when they're like, you have to see this. Orlando Scandrick came on to criticize the Eagles locker room being cut for the second time this year. And I go and I click on the link. I'm like, oh, that's what Orlando Scandrick looks like. <laughs> he no increased idea. his visibility by a lot. So that's a win for him, right. regardless. I mean, another team might not sign him right. or whatever the case may be, but he was pretty much cooked anyway. I mean, it really looked like the Eagles were the only place where, that were accepting of him to begin with because they had to bring him back. Right. I mean, he, yeah, he gets that question of like, hey, uh you uh you're still trying to sign with the team he was like no i think i'm gonna be focusing on mm. tv note it brother you win for it <laughs> trust me we uh yeah we figured that out pretty quick it's just that's what that's what's so funny to me is that like i have never once spent so much time and energy thinking about the criticism made for my team for a person who like i literally like this is orlando right. skandrick like when they signed orlando skandrick we were like oh darn <laughs> and, and that's and that's part of i think the the skandrick complaint right is, is skandrick is a is a vested veteran in the league 
who has been a successful player for multiple years, who is now reaching the twilight of his career after the Cowboys cut him, and he was wildly unsuccessful uh, at Washington, Kansas City. Now Philadelphia goes to bring, brings him in for camp or with, with a slew of, of young corners in front of him. A few of them are injured and won't be able to play. He still does not make the team. He's cut. Then he's brought back after the Week 4 win to Green Bay when Avante Maddox goes down with a neck injury, right? So so now he, no, he was out for four weeks, had not yet said anything bad about Philadelphia, had good things to say about Philadelphia. No one had signed him. Nobody wanted him to come play. The Eagles bring him back in that he was at camp after Week 4, and then following a Week 7 loss to the uh, Dallas Cowboys, in which, as Skandrick said, he did not have that good of a game, to what you and I would say right. he was really bad really bad the Eagles caught him with Sidney Jones getting healthier with Ronald Darby getting healthier defensive tackle right and with with and also with Avante Maddox being limited in practice today he's still out for Buffalo but like Maddox is on track coming back so with now the players who were active when you were first cut (laughs) becoming active again you have been cut again makes you say scapegoat well, and so, and, and, but, 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 and, but that's the thing is like, as a, as a veteran in this league and he, he, one of his strongest points that he brings up is the whole, uh, Howie mm. Roseman was deceitful, right? I have no doubt in my mind, Roseman, you know, when he first signed him was like, yeah, no, like we need a veteran in this room and like, we want you to be a part of the team and help bring up these young guys. And then he <laughs> cut him, which is like deceitful, but also my assumption would be, and the, the, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. But my assumption would be that's relatively run-of-the-mill GM speak. Like, we know coach speak is deceitful. There's no reason to believe GM speak what is GM also is not deceitful. What GM is not pouring some sugar in the ears of the players that right. he wants to target? Like, honestly, what, 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 what did he honestly yeah. – what could he have promised to Skandrick to force this kind of reaction? And then the other thing is, like, if, if – I'm assuming that was the sell when Skandrick was first signed in training camp. Then you get cut. When the Eagles go to sign you back – I mean, did, did Roseman tell you an even bigger lie? Like, yeah, like, now we need you for the rest of the season. I mean, did he or didn't he? But, like, right. you came back. And no back. one else wanted you. No one else. So, like, it's, like, it's, a bit, it's a bit of, right, which, like, obviously you need to play for a paycheck, yeah. right? So, like, I'm not taking that away from you. But it's like a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on, mm-hmm. shame on me situation. Sour grapes. What led you to believe you would not get cut <laughs> the second time? Because if that's how they had treated you the first time, right? So, anyway, so all this going to say that the, the first interesting thing to me about this is that when Lane Johnson was talking about people being late, that's one thing. That's Lane. Orlando right. Scandrick. <laughs> you know, it's 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 very funny to me that he's caused such a kerfuffle. Which, you know, successful. And I for think him. there are merit to, to what some of the things that he said, especially when you talk about, you know, how they deal with success, right? Well, they weren't doing the extra work before, but then, you know, when, when they drop some games, now they want to stay after and, and, and catch balls, right? Now defensive backs want to play on, you know, a scout team and do all this extra stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I can't disprove that. It sounds about right, considering what the Eagles have gotten from an execution standpoint, from a preparation standpoint. It's stuff that we've talked about. Maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong, but the other stuff, I just, I have a hard time believing. Other than, I, I, he was very complimentary of Carson Wentz. Compared him to uh, former teammate Dak Prescott from a leadership perspective, from a first guy in, first guy out perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's that that's good right. in the face of the and, other stuff that has come out about Carson recently, you know? Yeah, and people are circling uh, like the Carson thing and be like, oh, like he was positive about Carson. I really like, right. do not care about that in terms of like, I don't think he'd be a uh, good source for that. I want to, I would want, I would want to hear that from somebody from the offensive side of the ball to get a better feel of that. Yeah. Right. If he were. 
negative about Carson, I would have been like, I really don't care what Lance Stranger thinks about Carson. So yeah. the fact that he's positive, I still don't really care what he thinks about Carson. That's, That's just point. kind of you know the way that, that that's the way that goes right so like you know people are silver lining in that it's like well well it's hard to dismiss everything but the good stuff it's like a little unfair I, but i mean did you see what eagles twitter did to to clap back on him and number one malcolm jenkins saying we don't need mfers like that in in our on our team right right i mean so that's like yeah. a few hours ago before this most recent development i said you know obviously if i could choose what happens in the eagles future it's they win and players yeah. aren't upset anymore but I am finding a small Heath Ledger Joker-like joy in watching the Eagles' leaders, players who I enjoy a great deal, such as Carson Wentz, Malcolm Jenkins, and Jalen Mills, in terms of their personalities, mm-hmm. get a little spicy. Is that like you know what I mean? Like when when Malk pops off, I'm like like talk yeah. your mess, brother. Like you know he's Malcolm's a very likable dude, and Malcolm and he doesn't pull punches in a way that I think is very like. Uh, like I would rally behind him. Like I'm not surprised that he's a leader. Like I think he's he's an easy guy to root really. For. So like in the words of Orlando Skandrick, that's why you're the captain of this team, quote unquote, from Orlando Skandrick. Which <laughs> is the funny part because in in a unprecedented <laughs> move, I cannot think of another example in the NFL for Incredible. sure. The Eagles uh, uh, Twitter account with no context 46 minutes ago with no text at all, which is a great stylistic yeah. decision. Post a video of Malcolm Jenkins' strip of Dalvin Cook in the near red zone. Oh, excuse me, this is Alexander Madison yeah. in the near red zone, <laughs> which is a, a recovery by the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the camera stays on Jenkins the whole time, which, like, man, how lucky. Like, the fumble's picked up, it right. stays on Jenkins, which is great. You're just like, seeing Jenkins get up. And then Jenkins walking to the sideline gets dapped up by one Orlando Skandrick. And then they caption his audio, which I think Jenkins' mic picked up. Which is, that's exactly why you're the captain of this defense, bro. The way that you can conduct yourself. First snap mm. to the last. How about that? Mm. No. And the funny this thing is, is like, we didn't ago. even... This we, is a we, week we, ago. Right. We and, right. and we had the Tim McManus quote from after the Dallas game where Skandrick was like, there's no problems in this locker room. We've got great leadership. We've got a great coach. It's so good on the Eagles social. It's so good. It made me so happy. Uh, I wish... More than anything, they had played in the background. The uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got him <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the music, I like that. right? Like, you know, that, but that would have been too much. So, wh- what you have overall is a is a is a veteran that nobody wanted that got cut twice for very good reasons. I don't think anybody was trying to make him out to be a scapegoat. Talking about Malcolm Jenkins not taking accountability for mistakes that he's made that he. Malcolm Jenkins himself, I remember him taking credit for. For instance, when Rasul got burned, right? Jenkins came out and said that was, that was yep. on me. So I don't know what he's talking about from that perspective. So you've got this guy who just knows he's done in the NFL, wants to make him a name for himself in the media, being you know led into a bunch of mess by Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp and whatever, saying a bunch of nonsense. And I think it's a non-story. And if anything, this is something that might rally the Eagles' defense. And maybe maybe get them right. right. Now, they shouldn't need that and whatever. And maybe I'm outsizing the effect of that. I don't think this is going to be a negative thing from them. And I don't buy. Right. That's my thing is like, you know, they're, they come out against Buffalo and they're going to still have the same personnel and on-field Correct. issues as they've had. Right. And it's like if like it's galvanizes players to play better. Cool. But also like, you know, you're 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 dealing with injury. You're playing UDFAs. So like, you know, those guys can only get so good. Right. But what I will say is, like, if there is a fractured mm. locker room, 
one of the best uniting forces is a common enemy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like saying like, you know, oh, mm-hmm. Skandrick is the enemy. Make him. <laughs> Make him the enemy. Right. In terms of like, in terms of like pretty much every eagle who's there, even if you do have issues with like Malcolm, right? You're in the water. locker room. Right. Exactly. Like you're in the locker room. Malcolm is still there. Orlando is gone. You're going to be trying to show support for Malcolm because Malcolm is like the tenured leader of the defense. And, you know, even if you don't like love him, I imagine you don't feel as virulently as 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 Skandrick presented himself on TV. And even if you do, you're at least keeping it to yourself because Skandrick just got doxxed by the <laughs> Eagles Twitter account. Right. So like you, you, you know, like you, you're not going to approach this the way Skandrick did because yeah. you just saw what happened. You know what I mean? Like the team vocalized support for Jenkins in a very clear way. And also the, the other players in the locker room are clearly on with Jenkins as well. So yeah, like at the end of the day, they're going to show be all be at meetings together, all be at practice together. And they're going to put on the same Jersey on Sunday. And so like, even if you think there's merit in what was yeah. said or done on, uh, on, in Skedrick's part, like you're probably going to pretty quickly get, you know, in, into the line. And, and, you know, it's a lot of that is like players like Carson and coaches like Peterson's responsibility to help get everybody, you know, point in one direction with this newfound energy. And the last thing that I want to say on this is simply with Skandrick, you've been in this league 12 years, you've been beat up, you've gotten injured, you're trying to make money and the, the, the team cut you twice. Like I like I have, n- I have no problem with him yeah. just being pissed. Like I get it. You know what I mean? And if you want to express that on in undisputed, it's your prerogative. You know what I mean? Go for it. I, I, I would have if Skandrick had asked me, counseled him to maybe say some things that were less immediately disprovable, <laughs> you know, because obviously that kind of undercuts your message, uh, your legitimacy now, you know, in a potential like TV career. And also it makes you look very uh, uh, feeble and, and, and spited and spurned. But, you know, I, I said like a common enemy in Skandrick. I don't really think Skandrick is an enemy or a villain. I think he's a player who got cut twice in the span of two months by a team. And probably didn't believe it was going to happen either time, and then it did. And and I'm certain he does feel scapegoated. The Eagles lost a bad game, which they gave him a ton of passing yardage, some of which was Skandrick, some of which was Jalen Mills, some of which was Rasul Douglas, some of which was Malcolm Jenkins. Why aren't these players getting cut? You know, uh, and so like I don't, I'm not, I don't fault him for being upset. I don't fault him for feeling scapegoated. And and then whatever you do with that is yours. You know what I mean? You got to be able to live with those consequences, especially when. And, you say things that the Eagles have audio <laughs> to prove you did not believe Which nine Adam days Shepard ago. Just picked up and quote tweeted. <laughs> oh, this is such an event. I am a pig in slob, Michael. I'm just rolling around in it. Yeah. So anyway, so that's like I, I just like at the end of the day, you know, Skandrick, yeah. do you think? And uh, and I don't think you know we, we we as fans have to be necessarily too spiteful of him. Um, he's an upset dude who has a right to be upset. So there it is. There's the analysis on the Orlando 6-9-drick scandal that has not rocked the Eagles, maybe lightly shaken, lightly stirred the Eagles. I guess that's the way to put it. Okay, when we come back, we're going to get to the second part of our preview series. Last show, KNS 137, we did the Bills offense against the Eagles defense. Today, we're going to switch sides. We're going to do the Eagles offense against the Bills defense, and then we are going to give our final predictions. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Solak Show. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 138, brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation, Michael Kist, here with Benjamin Solak. Ben. Malcolm quote tweeted it. Did he? Sorry. Uh, Quote, smiling faces, smiling faces, sometimes uh, they don't tell the truth. 
smiling faces, smiling faces tell lies, and I got proof, end quote, with a little musical note. This, of course, from the 1971 uh, classic, The uh, uh, the Undisputed Truth, Smiling Faces Sometimes, by 1971 classic by The Undisputed Truth. What I mean to say is I just Googled these lyrics so I could find out what yeah. song this is from. Uh, is this The Temptations? Maybe be. it's The Temptations. I'm also seeing The Temptations. Listen, all I know is I will be listening to this song before the Saturday, Sunday game, and I hope they let Malcolm Jenkins run out of the tunnel. Oh, tunnel absolutely. Wait, no, it's in Buffalo. Right, Dang. So, okay. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get back to it as we continue to scroll through Eagles Twitter to find uh, different funny things about Skandrick. But, again, Bill's defense going up against this Eagles offense. It's, it's a tough matchup in Buffalo for the Philadelphia Eagles. And as I watched this Buffalo defense – I mean, regardless of all the, the advanced statistics and everything like that, they all look pretty good for the Bills defensively. This this defense, they play team defense. They play smart. They play fast. They play together. You got to earn it, and they will flummox you. They confuse uh-huh. the heck out of a guy like Tom Brady. Carson Wentz is going to have to be smart. And they, pre-snap, they'll show you some things and take it away. They'll roll safeties. They'll do all these different things, and then they're flying around like crazy. I mean – I think what impressed me the most that I didn't expect watching this defense is the safeties. Jordan Poyer, former Eagle, by the way, back in 2013. Jordan Poyer. And they say how he can't Micah draft. Hyde. Brother, that might be one of the best safety tandems that I've watched this year. And they do everything. They cover. They come down in the right. box. They like to blitz Poyer. He's very good at it. They do a lot of different things with these safeties. They're very good. Yep. The biggest thing with the safeties, which is the problem, is that when the Bills... So the Bills are typically a split-field team, middle of the field open, uh, playing quarters coverage. And the thing that makes it tricky is that over the games that I watched, on third down, on long and late downs, passing downs, running downs, goal line downs, I was not able to dial in nicely on a tendency of who spins where. Right? So, like, they... I think that is a general rule... Poyer is more likely to spin than Micah. Uh, they're more likely to have Poyer as a, as a high safety than they are to have Micah high as, a, as a single high safety. When I say spin, what I mean is is the the you know that initial split field look has two safeties high, but you know against a heavy box they got to rotate one safety down into the box uh, for a blitz look. They have to spin one safety down, one safety bails to be single high, so they have that extra player uh, down and you know close quarters coverage so they can blitz their linebackers or even blitz their safeties as mike said um when they're disguising what coverage they want to use you know initially we're going to look like it's cover four cover six and then we're going to spin to cover three cover one rat whatever i i like it's it there it's very difficult to tell because one of the best things that you can do uh in terms of pre-game planning is being able to tell where the safety is going to spin because he spins away from an area, right? Like if like Poyer's lined up over the right hash and he spins to single high, well, there's now a vacated area where he once was, right? And, and so if you can throw behind safety spins, you're typically finding a plus matchup for your offense. It's very difficult to tell. And like, you, like, you know, at, at times like by alignment, you know, you can tell who's going to be deep and who's shallow. But when they go split field and then they, they hmm. trap coverage on you and they switch the look post-snap... They'll do. They'll they'll ask those guys to do different things because they're comfortable with both in single high. They're comfortable with both in man coverage over tight ends. So I agree. That's that's the big tricky thing. Now quarters coverage. That safety. You know they'll keep those safeties high even if they don't get uh, vertical routes up the seams, and that's important because Philadelphia really doesn't run too much seam stuff unless it's Miles Sanders, which really wouldn't follow under those rules anyway because Sanders is going to be coming out of the backfield. So accordingly, those. 
the Eagles should be able to avoid those safeties in coverage in terms of who they target if A, they, they line their tight ends up outside if they want those matchups, or B, if they run slot receivers at those safeties to get isolated receivers with your outside guys, isolated one-on-one with the corners, which it's not like the corners are a much better situation, you know, in terms of, like, I agree with you, these safeties are, are, are good players, but I mean, Tredavious White oh, is yeah. lights out. Oh, man. <laughs> And that talented young player. Uh, and the annoying thing about Tredavious White is like, I don't, I couldn't tell you what he does wrong. Like he's very well-rounded and he's, he, again, like with Poyer and with, with Hyde, they ask him to do a bevy of things and he's very, very comfortable in, 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 in short zones and in deep zones and in man coverage and in trail technique and in catch man. I think he's a good player. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there's a, a ton of stuff that they can do with him. And then, opposite uh, uh Tredavious White it's Levi well, I think Wallace maybe the liability on this team however like right. the, the Miami game was bad for him he was targeted nine times seven catches 108 yards and a touchdown a quarterback rating of 153.7 one was also a drop on a, on a no play he got beat there too 79.8 quarterback rating coming into the week I talked with your buddy Joe Marino that's going to air later this week for Eye on the Enemy and he said look we didn't worry about Levi Wallace until the last game he's been pretty solid throughout this is a very, very good overall coverage unit. Still, I think Levi Wallace, if you can get maybe Alshon on him, uh, he can get beat by bigger guys in, in that in that way. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the thing about Levi is he's not big, right? He's a, he's a thinner dude and he's not strong. The issue with that is if you're trying to to win that matchup consistently, they'll run, you know, the, Eagles, the Eagles do this as well, they'll run cover six. And so they can get a safety over the top of that, and then they'll just let Wallace play underneath. And Wallace is a great underneath player because he's long and he's quick. Uh, and so, you know, now all of a sudden, you've got to be able to go win your, your isolated backside matchups. Again, cover six is a half-field safety and then two quarters cover four rules, uh, defensive backs on the other side. And you have a corner underneath that cover two safety. And that's how the Eagles like to double or, or, or you know, we often use the word like cone. It's not exactly accurate, but that's how they'll double that outside receiver is by putting a cover two safety over the top of him and then letting the corner play underneath which if they want to do that to the Eagles backside if that's how the Eagles want to attack him with Alshon Jeffrey they will I mean they, they to me they did that pretty consistently who did they have before the Dolphins I can't remember no before their bye uh the Tennessee Titans so yeah so, so right so so cover four and then yeah they'll sprinkle in cover six and they'll sprinkle in middle of the field closed and they'll ask guys to play man and then they'll give man looks at the snap and then play zone so a lot of post snap rotation so what yeah. does this mean the Eagles love to run uh, split field passing concepts, front side, back side, half field reads. And what this means is, is that you can design one half of the concept to beat middle of the field closed, and then another half of the concept to beat middle of the field open. So this over here is a cover two beater. This is a cover three beater. This one we're going to throw against man coverage. And if we get cover four, we're going to throw it to this side, right? Mm-hmm. In order to do that, you got to put five in the concept. Number one, so you got to be able to protect with five, which the Eagles offensive line should be able to handle the Bills defensive line five on four. That being said, the Eagles offensive line should have been able to handle the Dallas Cowboys line five on four. It did not happen. So that's got to happen because if you got to keep a guy in to protect and you're only putting four in the concept, you lose your ability to do what the Eagles like to do, which is run those ha- those half field different reads close and open. That's number one. I, I think and real quick on that, there's a significant drop off on the edge rushers from Buffalo to to Dallas, like that were the reverse of that anyway. That yes. they aren't close to what Dallas brings from the edge. Right. You got to be able to protect with five against Jerry Hughes, Trent Murphy, 
and then Lotulele and even Oliver, who like Oliver's probably one of their best, probably their best pass rusher in the interior right now, but he's acclimating as kind of was expected uh, for him moving into the NFL. He's a good player. If they get him on Sayomalu, he's going to win that one-on-one. But if you're able to, you know, give him a chip and, and you know, get, get Kelsey on him as well, he should be fine. So the other thing you have to be able to do is you need your quarterback Wentz to be able to identify post-snap what's happening, which is typically yes. different than what you're getting pre-snap. And that's a big deal because the Eagles love to run pre-snap box count RPOs. The, the Eagles love to run pre-snap leverage RPOs. At the snap, if the corner's got inside leverage, then we're handing it off. And if he's got outside of that leverage, we're throwing the slant. That corner moves a lot more for <laughs> Buffalo than yeah. it does for most teams. 100%. They do not tip their hand at the snap. So you're going to lose some of those plays. And you can run post-snap RPOs, right? That's that's the more traditional presentation of the RPO that you see in media, right? It's like, we're going to read this weak side linebacker. And if he closes down, we're going to do this. And if he bails out, we're going to do that. And the Eagles can do that. Mm. But that's not the way they like to run RPOs, number one. And number two, that can be an even more dangerous way of running RPOs when that linebacker is, for example, Tremaine Edmonds, who's 6'5", 245 with vines. Because all of a sudden you're like, yeah, just throw it behind the linebacker. And then it turns out the linebacker's freaking ginormous. It's yeah. much harder to do now, right? Because Tremaine Edmonds is really developing into a nice young player there in the middle. The same thing goes for Matt Milano if he's good Ooh. to play. So, Brother, Tremaine Edmonds, man, he, he may take a nibble of the cheese every now and then, but he's a freaking attack dog. I don't and care. Milano's awesome. Yeah, I had Edmonds above Roquan Smith. And one of the things about Edmonds was like, this is a 19-year-old who's built like a freak. So that's one thing. Like but, octopus. Yeah, but one of the complaints <laughs> was like, oh, he can get over aggressive. And I was always like, cool. You know, he also like Stay led the way. country and tackles for law. So I'm chilling. <laughs> you know, like we're we all right, brother. That's the cost of yeah. doing business. 100% agree. Right. So... Big, big, long exposition here on, on what the, the, the Bills are able to do. What it, what it boils down to is this. Because of the secondary and critically the back seven talent, right? Like in quarters, you need linebackers who are able to cover zone and man. And they've got that Edmonds and Milano. Not so much with Lorenzo Alexander, but with Edmonds and Milano for sure. You need to be able to, with, with, with such a talented back seven, the Bills are able to present a high variety of looks both pre and post snap. And post snap is the big one. This takes away the Eagles' ability to call package plays at the line and decide where it's going to go post-snap, generally. Like, they'll be able to do it sometimes, but not all the time. And as well as they're able to dial into tendency, they'll be able to do it. Of course, the Eagles' offensive coaching staff should not be trusted with this, but as well as they're <laughs> able to do it, that's how they'll do it. Okay. Accordingly, you need to be able to win isolated matchups on outside corners against quarters coverage. Yes, so. How does that sound for this team Michael. Not great. <laughs> not great. That's not a strength. Yeah. So there's concern here for the success of the passing game. I, th- I think what makes the most sense to me is your isolated three by one sets and your Zach Ertz's and Dallas Goddard's against potentially Levi Wallace on, if not Levi Wallace, then a safety in, in true man coverage employer, Micah Hyde. You need a big game out of your tight ends. And you've needed a big game out of your tight end since you decided to draft Dallas Goddard in the second round. And since your wide receivers have gone down and not been successful, like you've needed to be able to rely on your tight ends very heavily in the passing game. But from a target distribution perspective, the Eagles have never really had a game where both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard were featured. I mean, there's no reason to throw it to a wide receiver not named Alshon Jeffrey. So to me, this is a, this is a game where you want to see that. Uh, final point to this, the Bills defense... And I'm using, again, the PPR stats that Graham Barfield put out from a fantasy perspective. Uh, but no team has allowed less fantasy points per game than the Bills defense against slot receivers. 
Uh-huh. You have and they're good against tight ends, too. But, yeah, yeah, slot receivers, they are shutting it down. Right. And that's the thing. is like when tight ends align for most teams, they line up in the slot. Right. The Eagles are willing to line up their tight ends outside in isolated three-by-one sets. That's the set I'm looking to run my primary passing offense through. And then you, you, you have the running back backside. If you're running a nub set, all of a sudden now you're in that split pass strength to one side, run strength to the other side. We've talked about this before. Eagles will put two tight ends to the nub side, and now it's three eligible receivers to that side and the running strength with two isolated wide receivers then to the opposite side and that's when you're gonna get man coverage on those guys that's when you're gonna get alshon versus tradavius that's when you're gonna get nelson aguilar slash matt collins versus levi wallace versus kevin johnson if they bring him in to play the slot you like and like this is like when all offense you know scheme talk boils down to is eventually you end like a long exposition like this with the phrase and he's got to be able to win his one-on-one matchup so if the eagles don't have outside receiver that can win their one-on-one matchup whether that's alshon Ertz, goddard i mean there's you know don't show up you yeah. have to have that player. I agree. How, how much do you think that the run game plays into this? And, and, I'll, and I'll frame this under that if there's one area where this Buffalo defense struggles, it's run defense, and especially against 12 personnel. Uh, also, they, they kind of struggle against 12 personnel from a, from a passing perspective. 52% success rate against them. Passing, running, there's a 50% success rate. I think this team, and especially if they're, if, they, if they're missing Milano, that's a big one. That's a key for them. But if they're missing Milano and maybe you have to add another defensive back on the field or you're you're giving yourself a significant downgrade, downgrade at linebacker, they can get muscled around a bit. And that's something that I'm looking for the Eagles to establish on the road in a hostile environment so it's going to be loud. It's going to be hard pre-snap. It's going to be confusing looks for them pre-snap. They might have to lean, and I'm usually not like a big, like, we've got to run the ball, blah, blah, blah. You, you know that about me. But they might have to lean a bit on the run game because if the run game can't get going, things can get real tricky for them. But if it does, they can get their offensive line in a groove like Doug Peterson talked about, whether that's fake or real or just something that offensive – if the line believes it, then it's got to be true. But if they can get them into a flow and they can start to play some bully ball with them, then I think the Eagles will be okay. Otherwise, I think they're probably in trouble. Whether or not you and I think they should run the ball a lot, they're going to run the ball a lot. It's what they do. Right. 31st right now in neutral pass rate, neutral down pass rate. So, you know, we're not we're not incorporating, you know, plays in which there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter and the Eagles are down by 20 to the Cowboys. Those aren't in this calculation. When the game is still in reach at a reasonable time frame in the quarter, so we're not at the end of the half, end of the half, Eagles are, are passing the ball the second fewest, second lowest percentage of the time in the league. This team is looking to run the football. Why? Mm. You tell me, Tiger. Don't know. <laughs> um, but they're running it with a decent success rate relative to the league. And so what you're going to see in terms of how they want to run that ball, as I expect, yeah, I talked about the nub sets, right? And again, nub, yeah. nub sets, tight end wing to one side, both in line, two wide receivers to the opposite side, off the formation, running back in the backfield, either set to the tight end side or behind the quarterback when he's under gun. And this gives you a two tight end set with, 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 with running strength to that side but forces the defense into a tricky spot with where they put their corners, their safeties, and their linebackers because both Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz are really good passing threats. Yeah, and also at the same time, we saw this with Jalen Mills where the, the Cowboys attacked him with nub sets on that side because right. he's a weaker tackler. Levi Wallace is a, is a liability as a tackler yes. in my he's opinion. Not a, and that's, he's not a strong dude. And and that's some, that's somewhere where you can attack and you can see there, okay, how does Buffalo want to play this when we go YY wing on the, on the nub set? You know right. what I mean? 
do they want to leave Levi out there? Or are they going to put a safe? What are are they going to do? And then you can kind of play off that. And the thing that's interesting about it is like, if you're watching the Tennessee game, or if if you're watching um, uh, the, the Miami game, and you see similar sets, the, the Bills are very happy to just put linebackers over the top. They'll just put <laughs> Matt Milano over the top of the, the strong running side, and they'll go, uh, you know, typical 4-3 set, and they're fine. I would argue that that's not a good signal for what you do against Philadelphia. And the reason I would argue this is because the tight ends that Philadelphia have are slightly different than the tight ends that the Tennessee Titans put out on the field. And slightly different than the tight ends Miami Dolphins put out on the field. You have to approach the threat of Goddard and Ertz releasing to two verts differently than that of uh, uh, of your your typical tight end alignments that's the value the eagles put on their tight ends and so to me you saw this against miami the bills ran a lot more three safety sets than they ever had right jordan poyer uh micah hyde and then maurice alexander saw over 50 percent of the snaps against miami i would expect more big nickel sets i would expect yeah, I a, you know a, a a inclusion of more uh of more uh three safety looks so that you can retain in uh, uh, your split safety look if you want to, but you also have a guy underneath zone who you can either put in man or put in zone and you're comfortable with them in coverage over Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. If and when that's the case, then yeah, you got to be able to run the football up that. The wineback zone that we've talked about, uh, they'll run split zone out of that as well. Though they haven't done it as much this year and then they'll run their trap game out of it. You have to be able to, to run the football if they're going to give you a seven-man box against seven blockers, especially if one of those players is a safety. So yeah, I think the running the game is going to be the running game is going to be another huge part of the game plan. Again, whether or not we want it to be, and then you know, again, another thing that might fall on deaf ears. But in terms of who's getting the football, Jordan Howard, baby, should be Jordan. I mean, (laughs) till Miles Sanders gives me a reason to give him the ball. People have been uh, people have been really quiet in my mentions about Miles Sanders lately. That's weird. Okay, Ben, anything else you want to get to before we get to the final predictions on this game? When they blitz. It's yeah. it's the Zimmer school of blitzing. It's which, Milano, Edmonds, it's Poyer. Right. Yeah. And it's like, hey, here's <laughs> seven people on the line of scrimmage. Right. Who's coming? No way I'm yeah. going. Um and they'll like they'll drop Jerry Hughes, you know what I mean? Like they'll drop one of their like traditional edge rushers to bring like a safety. But it's the Mike Zimmer school, which like you might call the Mike Zimmer school the Jim Johnson school, which obviously is Sean McDermott. But yeah, it, it, it's mug pressures. It's filling every gap. And it's forcing you into slide protection and trying to get a guy coming nicely off the edge or in an interior gap. Uh, the Eagles struggle with that with their running backs. They struggle mm-hmm. with Zimmer. Uh, hopefully they they bring it back. Uh, one other thing, if you're keeping score, two weeks ago, Ben said no running back targets, and it was a very good running back target game. One week mm-hmm. ago, Ben said no running back targets, and it was a bad running back target game. <laughs> this week, Ben's saying running back targets. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. You get nice looks in the flats against a, a traditional cover four shell with your number three receiver, which is typically a running back. He's the third receiver to a side. Um, and if you are running that backside stuff, like three by one with the running back backside, and you have that receiver stem vertical and especially like cut inside on a post or cut inside on a deep dig he will take two he'll take that corner with him vertical and then he will draw the eyes of the safety now you have the ability to option the weak side linebacker with an option release right where you bring the back out of the backfield and he's got multiple directions to go based off of leverage would be a great darren sproles thing he's inactive jordan howard running on yeah if jordan howard running option routes no so if you want to get miles sanders involved that's where i would do it and that and that's what I I was telling Matt Bowen of of uh, NFL matchup. I wow, saying, hey, man, calm down! I was telling Matt Bowen. He, he, he you do not me. you do not he tell agreed. Matt Bowen things. 
Yeah, that's right. He tells he Matt tells Bowen me. welcomes your words of his own free volition. <laughs> but I was I was telling him I'm like, what do you think about you know the next step in him as a pass catcher for Miles Sanders is the option routes. So maybe this is the game for that. Maybe this is where we see that because yeah. I would love to see more than the bus route, the wheel. Right. I would like to see him more incorporated in the passing game with different routes and the ability to break off with optionality. You well, know? Yeah, so I still think it's probably they're going to run wheel routes with him. I mean, mesh, yeah, definitely. mesh sit wheel against cover four is usually a good spot. And if you want to run like a, like post wheel, which is what the Chiefs like to do against cover four, which I have to imagine Peterson kind of knows what the Chiefs do against cover four. Um, <laughs> that's also a good look again. And, and the reason this is valuable is because you're sending a player late into a vertical zone. And typically by the time you send him, given the route concept in front of him, the corner's already declared who he's matching. And then mm. you're able to send another player into his zone. It's just like, oh, it's the way you flood zones. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I think we're going to see wheel routes. But in terms of a more high percentage move the stick sort of a throw, that's, I think, your 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 option routes from your backs can be valuable against cover four looks. So, uh, right. So, so this week, Ben is saying yes to running back targets. And we'll see <laughs> what happens and how this works. Yep. So the line has moved. Orlando Skandrick is responsible for a 0.5 move. The Eagles are now two-point underdogs. I don't know if that's true. Dude, it would be amazing the if they were. It's a two-point underdog game for the Eagles in Buffalo. The over-under is set at 42.5. That would be like Vegas is calling it basically 22 to 20. We've already both said over on 21 points for the Bills offense. Ben, do you think the Eagles' offense is good for over twenty-two? And uh, what's your final score prediction there, buddy? I'm not. I'm not feeling great about this one. Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be a no from me. Or you think under twenty-two? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I um. The Eagles have not been good on offense the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I expect a heavy dose of the running game, which mm-hmm. subsequently leads to uh, a quicker game pace. The clock continues to run. I also think that the Eagles are going to struggle to get anything deep against the, the the safety and the scheme that we've talked about here for Buffalo, which means you're going to need to either win intermediate or nickel and dime with short. And given the way they've called games thus far, I would say it's nickel and dime with short. Carson Wentz, by the way, is right now plus seven, or excuse me, 0.7 air yards to the sticks in next-gen stats, which mm-hmm. to me is shocking. And I have a gut feeling that if you took away the fourth quarters of the last two games, it would drop drastically. But yeah. anyway, I also think a lot of it's Tim just going for it on third down. Right. But even then, like, it's just the, the passing game to me is so short to intermediate. Yeah. But maybe maybe I just like, you know, I don't know what I'm looking at. Regardless. <laughs> um, so I think if the Eagles have scoring drives, they're going to be long sustained drives. And then the other thing is that the Bills have a solid red zone defense and they're a very good scoring defense. And so yeah. I think that, you know, you have the opportunity for Daxon to give the Bills some points via turnover uh and then also i think you might have some drives end with threes and not seven so yeah I have the eagles under to me this is like you know 28 16 buffalo Woo! healthy margin i don't i maybe i'm healthy. i would love to be wrong but at some point yeah. we got to stop believing this team is going to win the close games that they should have a fighting chance in. you know what i mean so yeah. reverse jinx first reverse jinx of the year i got it 23 to 20 buffalo and i don't know if it's as close as that score says like yeah. i think we come away more frustrated than hopeful that they played a really tough game against a 5-1 team on the road. Yeah. And I don't know what it says about Buffalo still. Right. Because this is like, if they win this, this is like their trademark win on the season? I don't know, bud. I mean, well, the problem is like, this. yeah, this would be like their best win of the season. But then also, 
you know, this will also put the nail on the coffin as the Eagles as a bad team. So then it won't be their best win of the season because the Eagles will still be a bad team, right? It's a catch-22. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Buffalo's in a tricky spot. Uh, what I – my main thing is this. Not really. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean that's just that's just media perception. In terms They're of reputation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, my thing with Buffalo with this game is this. Like, my great, great, great fear mm. is that, you know, like I predicted 28-16. Let's say it is like 28-16 with like eight minutes left in the fourth. Carson goes down and like, you know, scores. So it's 23, 28. Mm. And then Buffalo puts together a long drive that ends in a field goal. Mm. Eight point game. Carson gets the ball back with one timeout, 119 remaining. They're not able to punch it. in. it's like Carson Wentz loses another one possession game. Right. You know, and like, like yeah. it's just, just you know, to add it to the stat, right. like, like you're Philip Rivers every week with no timeouts, right. one minute left. That's how he's just living life. Like, that's know? the thing is like, I just, you know, given how Carson's been pushing, yeah, and he has been pushing in recent weeks. Man, you know they, that you know that article is coming out the next day. Exactly, I'm Carson saying if Wentz. they have Carson Wentz, clutch. right? It doesn't matter if there's like <laughs> three seconds left in the play clock, an eight point game, and the ball is a two. Like if Carson has an opportunity to tie or win at the fourth quarter, like yeah. I would rather just lose <laughs> clearly, but to, before having to deal with the stress of that. That's what it is, man. He's yeah. got He's got to. He's got to bounce back big from a very bad game against the Dallas Cowboys. I have one last question for you. Yeah, fire away. Putting it in the interwebs for them, making you declare. Hmm. Orlando Skandrick went into the media and did his thing today. Eagles had Lane Johnson saying this. We had anonymous reports about Carson Wentz. The next crazy thing to happen in Eagles media perceptions, storyline, locker room conundrum is. Oh, you want me to predict it? Yes. Oh, boy. I will also do a prediction. I'm just saying, we should really start trying to figure out what's going to happen next, because let's be honest, it's not like nothing's going to happen next. Well, I mean, you had Miles Sanders liking an IG post, criticizing the coaching staff for how they were using him. I mean, that's small potatoes at this point. <laughs> what I'm just saying is, he is that going to escalate? Oh, Did they deal with that in-house? The rookie running back is going to get big spicy on the interwebs. Why not, man? Another game where he struggles as a runner, starts to get a little frustrated. He's already shown it. Like he's already shown that he hasn't, he doesn't deal with it well. Maybe that's just me being a Miles Sanders hater, as, as people say. Have you're me. leading into the <laughs> reputation in a big way. Prove me wrong, Miles. Love of God, please. What about you, Ben? What do you think? Mm, they lose to the, the the Bills. They maybe beat the Bears. Well, if they if, oh, if they lose to Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky in consecutive weeks, <laughs> you're going to be just unhappy log camper, off. brother. Right. I and, and for that reason, I'm so happy they added the uh, hide reply function on Twitter. Right. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, so they beat the Bills. Or excuse me, they lose to the Bills. They maybe beat the Bears. And then Mike Groh gets fired. Please. And then Mike Groh has words Ooh. for the world after he gets Mike, fired. Mike Groh, ex- Mike Groh exclusive. Yes. That's like the Mike unsexiest title uncovered. Of all time. And it'll be Mike Groh <laughs> going, you know, I really, uh, I didn't know how to integrate myself into the offense. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I almost got through it. He's gonna he's gonna come on the uh, the BGN feed here. He's gonna be our next guest. Mike Grow, listener to the show. If and when you get fired, firstly, sorry, buddy, had to happen. Secondly, come on the pod. And let's hear. Let's let's spill the tea. Ben, let's say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners. Well, in uh, hopefully, what was a a you know at least at pace in terms of media entertainment you've gotten for Philadelphia so far this week. Thank you so much for listening to our show. This was the Bills. Uh, Defense against the Eagles offense with, of course, a spattering, a smattering of Scandrick 
sprinkled in. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to hit that subscribe button. That's how you get all of the new shows in the feed, such as the Emergency Orlando Scandrick Pod, which dropped this morning, as Mike initially said, between BLG and Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, we have you all prepped up for the Sunday performance as you need last up to the minute injury updates. Make sure you're checking bleedinggreennation.com. He's been Michael Kiss on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL. It's KST. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. Post game after Buffalo on Sunday night. We will catch you then. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly.